Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. And if you want to find out a little bit more about our station, you can go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now, so if you go to that website and click on a button, you can listen to us from anywhere in the world. So, folks, we want to uh, welcome Dr. Sugar here on our show. Welcome, Dr. Sugar. Thank you so much for having me. So, Dr. Sugar is an expert on the issue of guardianship. Uh, uh, Dr. Sam Sugar, he's, the, uh, 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 he's, he's written on this topic and studied and, and, and lived through it as well. So now, just so folks know, guardianship is a legal process where, um, you know, for people who are unable to care of themselves, the court sort of court system sort of steps in and uh, uh, provides uh, some person that's supposed to look after them. Uh, but there are concern all across the country about abuses in the guardianship system, and so. Dr. Sugar, can you inform our audience about what is going on in that area and what you think needs to be done about it? It would be my pleasure. Um, so guardianship is a legal construct that uh, dates back to the 15 and 1600s in England where the concept of parents patriae, meaning that the king is responsible for his family of citizens, uh, instituted courts that were called chancery courts, ultimately becoming known as courts of equity, where, among other things, people were brought to the court who were deemed to be, in those days, insane, so that the court could protect them from the public and protect the public from them. That's where all this got started. When um, America was founded, a lot of those principles, including parents patriae, came over with the settlers and eventually evolved into what we now refer to as equity-type courts. Until 1939, equity courts uh, were separate from civil and criminal courts. But in 1939, the Supreme Court decided to fold them into the overall legal system. Equity courts have a very checkered history. They were very active in the slave trade. They were the courts that decided uh, who inherited someone's slaves when they died. They were the courts that certified slave sales. Um, and they were very active in the early 20th century in the eugenics movement, where people who were deemed inferior and not genetically acceptable were placed into guardianships under the aegis of the state and basically sterilized and removed from society. Of the three courts in the United States that currently work on that uh, system are probate divorce and family courts. And our particular concern today for our discussion is what goes on in probate courts. Probate courts in the United States do not allow juries. They do not follow due process or rules of evidence. They are 
There are cases that are decided simply on the whim of whoever's wearing the black robe that day. And it wouldn't be that terribly important except these matters turn out to be life and death, not just for one individual, but for their entire family, which I'm sure we can go into. So our concern overall, and when I say our, our organization is Americans Against Abusive Probate Guardianship, and we're on the web at AAAPG.net, where your listeners can uh, get a terrific education about how this system is supposed to work and how it actually works. And I'm also the author of a book called Guardianships and the Elderly, the Perfect Crime, which is a primer for people who need to learn about all of this stuff, and it's available on Amazon. It's not expensive. And the reason I wrote that book is because until this actually happens to you or someone you love, you don't know a thing about it. The trouble is once this stuff starts in the courts, and I'll explain how that happens, it's much too late to do anything about it. And the net result is a loved one is isolated, abused, over-medicated, and ultimately slowly murdered with over-medication in these egregious cases that occur in the same fashion all throughout the country. Although there are hotspots like Michigan, Florida, New York, California, Nevada, Colorado, those are the, the real flaming hotspots. But in a nutshell, we're concerned about what's going on in these courts and how they are abusing and exploiting the most vulnerable among us, that is, our senior citizens. So thank you, Dr. Sugar, for that summary. I want to give you a couple of real-life examples. Uh, as you know, I do uh, civil rights work here in Louisville, uh, and I'm not on the radio. And so I had a lady come to me, and uh, she talked about how she had an elderly father that uh, – she and her sisters and other siblings were looking after, and there was a family dispute about how the father was to be taken care of, and the brother got upset and went down to 6 and Jefferson, which is where our courthouse is, and, and uh, started some sort of legal process. As a result of that process, the family actually let, lost control of their father completely. And, the, of course, the brother is, a, uh, is sort of apologized for initiating the process. It was like the sisters and one brother. But his apology doesn't work very well because it's too late. They lost control of their father. Uh, uh, so the father was sort of caught up in that system, as you described. And another situation that, that came to me where there's a, uh, a young lady in her prime, really, uh, who sort of uh, uh, adventurous, daring lifestyle, a world traveler, multilingual, you know, uh, speak Spanish and sign. And uh, and so uh, one family member sort of upset with her lifestyle uh, and uh, initiated the process. And I kind of read the paperwork, and the paperwork said that uh, the young lady was uh, promiscuous, uh, smoked pot, and was financially irresponsible. And I kind of looked around myself and tried to find any kind of legal research that's, that said that uh, 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 being, uh, quote-unquote, promiscuous or uh, smoking pot or, uh, quote-unquote, financially irresponsible qualifies one for guardianship. I couldn't find it. Uh, I couldn't find the, the law that said that. But anyway, the, the process was started by a brother who happened to be an attorney. And uh, sure enough, uh, she ended up 
in, uh, uh, you know, uh, ensnared in the guardianship process. So I, I spoke to a retired attorney who was a friend of mine, and what he explained to me was, he said, look, this young lady has to get a great lawyer and a whole list of witnesses and experts to testify on her behalf. Is she is unable to get an outstanding attorney and unable to get a list of experts to testify on her behalf, the court is going to assume that she is, uh, 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 you know, needs to be in guardianship. The word is incapacitated. Well, go ahead. So, Dr. Shiller, you can reflect on those are two cases that I know of personally here in Louisville, Kentucky. Right. Uh, And I guarantee you there are many, many, many more. What you've described is sadly um, the nub of the issue, and that is that guardianships, particularly those that are given to professional guardians, these are people who make their money, their living, their income by taking it from innocent Americans who've done nothing illegal or wrong, but because of a family conflict, a family dysfunction, Somebody decides to invoke the legal system, the judicial system, to solve a family problem. That's where these cases usually begin. They are literally bloody warfare. Doesn't actually shed blood, but but figuratively speaking, these are mortal combats, blood sport within a system of the court which allows a small band of probate litigators. In Louisville, I can't imagine there's more than a couple of dozen of them throughout the entire state of Kentucky, actually. Here in Florida, there's more, obviously. And just to give you an idea of how many there are, in 2003 in Florida, there were 13 professional guardians. Today, there's 569. Someone once asked me, why did that happen? And I said, it's the Willie Sutton rule. Willie Sutton was a famous bank robber, and he was asked one time, Willie, why do you rob banks? And Willie said, hey, that's where the money is. And the same thing can be said about the profession, the so-called profession of professional guardianship. Family dysfunction opens the door for the court to insert itself into these family private issues. And once it's there, uh, it's like hooking a fish. You just can't get the hook out. And the price for the family, the unwitting family, and I can't tell you how many times I've talked to wonderful people who thought they were going to help their mother or father's situation by going to the court, who desperately wish they had never done it because of the trouble that it's caused, because of the dislocation, because of the abuse of the elder person, the over-medication, the isolation, taking them away from their friends and families and home, not to mention the utter devastation to the estate of the so-called ward of the state, because somebody somebody had an ax to grind in the family. That's not the only situation. Um, it doesn't even have to be a family member, ex-business partners, ex-wives, ex-girlfriends. As long as an individual, and this isn't just limited to seniors, it happens to 18-year-olds all the time, but that's a different discussion. If, for example, you, you are a typically typical 70-year-old person, I happen to be 74, and have I forgotten my keys once in a while? Yeah, 
I have, sure. But does that mean I need a guardian? I don't think so. But the truth is, on the flimsiest of allegations that are never even sworn to, these are just called allegations of incapacity, the court can decide on its own to push a button that makes someone a ward of the state instantaneously. It's called an emergency temporary guardianship. And within a couple of weeks or so, that person has lost all of their constitutional and human rights. All their money is gone. Their home is no longer theirs. Their insurance policies are no longer theirs. Their inheritance plans are out the window. Their advanced directives are ignored. And they become a piece of property owned, and I'll say it again, owned by the professional guardian who could do anything he or she wants with that ward as long as they can convince a judge to sign a piece of paper saying it's okay to do it. And what kind of things are we talking about? Well, when the money starts to run low out of cash to pay the guardian's fees, which can amount to hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, which is a fraction of what the lawyer fees will be. And by the way, this situation can bankrupt a multi-million dollar estate in a matter of one year. And the, often these cases go on for decades, the litigation. So, um, the damage that they do, the way that they're constructed, we find to be completely unacceptable. And once this system starts, there's absolutely nothing that a typical individual can do because they don't have any money. They can't hire their own lawyer because they don't have the right to do so. They can't run away because their travel is restricted. They are basically powerless, and so is the family to rescue them from what ultimately becomes the isolation from everyone and anything in what's referred to as lockdown, mental health, whatever they wish to call it. It is a cruel, tyrannical, opaque, difficult to understand, and ultra virus, which means super legal, it's not really legal, the judge is acting, in our belief, completely improperly, a system which um, defies the Constitution, abrogates our rights under the Constitution, and creates a situation whereby families are harmed for generations by the stealing, and I'll use that word advisedly, of entire estates by court-appointed guardians and the lawyers that the estate pays for to fight the family. It's a very difficult system, impossible essentially to get out of. I'll just give you an example. In the past year in Florida, we have a network of advocates and people who really understand this system, and we have been trying to get people out of guardianships. This year is the first year we've been able to get anybody out of a guardianship. And now that there's publicity, like the Britney Spears case, the courts have to pay attention. And six people in Florida have gotten out of what would have been a lifelong death sentence because of uh, the activity of this advocacy group at AAAPG.net and several others. That's never happened before. And we're hopeful that it's the beginning of a trend where the judiciary begins to realize that they've been hoodwinked or have been corrupt, it's gotta be one or the other, 
and we can spread the word about these guardianships to unsuspecting people who could be their next target. So, folks, we're talking to Dr. Sam Sugar, who MD, who uh, uh, is very uh, expert in the uh, realm of guardianship and also has an organization. Just say the name of your organization, Dr. Sugar, so people can... Sure. It's Americans Against Abusive Probate Guardianship, and the website is www.aaa.net. We recently held a symposium, a two-day symposium on this issue, which was uh, we had over two dozen speakers from across, from around the world, actually, from outside of the United States as well as many from inside. And the videos of that symposium are available right on our website. They're YouTube videos, and I would strongly suggest, even though they're very long, I mean, the symposium lasted about 10 hours altogether, but they are worth watching and worth learning about so that this situation doesn't happen to you. It's, it's really quite easy to understand once you hear the speakers. If you, if you don't know anything about guardianship, you are a perfect target. And make no mistake, we're all targets, especially if you're over a certain age, and particularly if your family has a problem getting along with one another, because this, this process so easy to use as a weapon. So easy. So you just go down to the courthouse and fill out a form, and the next thing you know, uh, uh, havoc occurs. So, uh, uh, so, so for folks who want to find out more about it, they can go. They can go go to the website. There's a a book that uh, and mention the name of the. Uh, you might want to yeah. mention the book. Um, which is published uh, by Square One Publishing in New York. It's called Guardianships and the Elderly, The Perfect Crime. Uh, the book is available at bookstores, but it's easiest probably to get on Amazon. I intentionally kept the price low so that the greatest number of people would be able to afford it, or at least get it at the library. It is a primer to teach people the basics about the typical guardianship corruption cases. And it has an interesting section at the back of resources of agencies and organizations that are at least on paper supposed to be helpful to people in these situations. And there's a popular movie that uh, much talked about, too. Uh, so there's websites that folks can check out. There's books people can read, and then there's a popular movie, uh, I Care a Lot, which I haven't yeah. seen, but it. Uh, I hear I, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Uh. Well, I Care a Lot was number one in the United States for a month and a half or so, and Rosamund uh, Rose, Pike won uh, an Emmy for her performance. The first half of the movie is perhaps the most accurate description of an abusive guardianship that even I could write. It's not fiction, although Jay Blakeson, who wrote and produced the movie, got the idea and the, uh, the outline of the script from articles that he read on my website and a bunch of others. And Marla Grayson, the woman portrayed by Rosalind Pike, is a composite of the evil guardians that he read about over the course of a couple of years that he thought would make an interesting movie. Now, the second half of the movie is pure Hollywood fiction and is not reality. 
It just isn't. But the first half of the movie, I would strongly advise people to watch it um, and learn what this is, uh, what it's about. It's a corollary to the book, to the website, and all of the other things. And I would say also, at this point in time, at this moment in America, the Britney Spears case is very relevant, too. The headlines today are that Britney Spears and her followers, and she has hundreds of thousands of people in the Free Britney movement, and we had a speaker at the symposium from the Free Britney movement. Ms. Spears is going to finally, after 13 years, be allowed to say something at a hearing about her finances. It should be very interesting because our position is that Britney Spears' guardianship is completely unconstitutional and illegal. And one of our speakers in the symposium goes into that in enormous detail. And that's worth watching just on its own. Well, it's interesting. There's some entertainers that acknowledge that uh, that they are sort of the, 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 the sole financial support for their entire family. And so when you have a, for instance, a big-name entertainer who who... Who, who is sort of the money that drives the entire family, uh, the family may feel like it's important to uh, uh, make sure that person stays in focus, so to speak, uh, uh, so they can create wealth for the entire family. And, uh, 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 and with Britney Spears, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the lady was making a tremendous amount of money. Uh, and still is. Right, exactly. Because this racket, which is really what it is, 
is worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. The truth is nobody even knows how many guardianships there are in the United States because all of these cases are legally sequestered so that we can't study them. We don't even know where these wards are or who placed them there or what half the time we don't know if they're alive or dead because everything's such a big, deep, dark secret, which is a very good way of hiding your wrongdoing. So, folks, uh, this is a... Uh uh, uh, important issue that uh, will affect you or uh, someone you know sooner or later. Uh, I guarantee Absolutely. it. Everyone listening to our voices today knows someone, likely, that has been affected by this, whether as a family member or a victim. And uh, ordinarily, what happens, uh, you try to come to the rescue, but the system is so weighted in one direction that no matter what skills you have or, or what skills you think you have uh, you're unable to rescue the friend or loved one from the situation and it's uh, it's just very very sad. Well it's devastating it's devastating to generations of family members for a number of reasons I mean who wants to see their loved one over medicated zombified in a nursing home, tied down to a chair, never able to go out and see the sun, never able to visit with anyone, eating crap food, just terrible food in these facilities. And when you try to, to rescue them, you are not only rebuffed, you're crushed because this system will not tolerate dissent. It is a very, very authoritarian system where the judge basically is God in his courtroom. That's not the American way. The American way is juries. So, juries of our peers to decide our fate. Not here, though. So question is, uh, uh, and just off the top of your head, what if the, the situation is initiated in one state and a, and a decision is made to leave the jurisdiction? Will that halt the process or what? That is a very tricky question to answer, so I'm going to answer in a theoretical fashion so as not to get myself into any trouble. In theory, theoretical answer, judges and courts only have jurisdiction over those people who live within that jurisdiction. So theoretically, if the individual in question has not yet been adjudicated a ward in Judicial District 1, let's say, and theoretically, if they were to leave that judicial jurisdiction and set up residence in another state, and I discuss this in the book, by the way, so the details are there, it is theoretically possible to avoid being having a guardianship created. That's a theoretical response. Oh, thank you. Because I think people are very much interested in that, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, so, folks, we've been here with uh, Dr. Sam Sugar, MD, uh, who has uh, written, studied, uh, uh, and worked with uh, uh, this guardianship situation. Uh, so, Dr. Sugar, I uh, really want to thank you for being here with us today. I mean, you've been... In 
uh, incredibly informative, and you've got a wealth of knowledge going back. Uh, I was fascinated by that discussion of the equity courts uh, and the whole history of this uh, process. Uh, that's fascinating and important to know where all of this came from. So, uh, again, I want to thank you for being here. Well, you're very welcome, and my best wishes to all the, all of our friends in Louisville and the entire state of Kentucky. Folks, you've been listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. And uh, again, if you want to find out more about us, you can go to forwardradio.org. Again, so uh, folks, uh, uh, that's our show, and we will be back next week.